0: If even one sinner repents, all of heaven rejoices. But do you? What do you do when you see repentance break out in one person? Brothers, and sisters, I want to submit to you that Yeshua is out to cleanse his threshing floor by the use of his Holy Spirit, preparing his people to be empowered, to receive an outpouring of his Holy Spirit. And he is using events all around the world right now, including what has happened in Asbury to expose the impurities in his people that he wants to cleanse. And tonight I am in this place where I need to talk about something that is something I'm going to talk about out of necessity, out of out of my love for you, out of my desire for you to become all that God has called you to be. But that means that I have to speak straight to the point tonight. If you could bear it. Brothers sisters. We must be very cautious, extremely cautious around events like this one at Asbury. You know, when I saw the the things that people have been saying ever since this has happened online and in, in many places, I have been extremely grieved by some of what I have read. You see, the fear of God must grip us tightly. Before we speak about such things, you know, I understand. You know, if you're uncertain, I don't know. You may say, PD, I'm not sure if I'm willing to call this revival. I understand that. Maybe you say, PD, I'm waiting to see I understand that. But the militant criticisms pointing of the fingers judgments that have been coming out of the mouths of believers in Jesus Yeshua the Messiah have been unimaginable. You see, I want to submit to you, brothers and sisters, just one question: What if? What is happening in Asbury? What if that event that that started in February eighth and has continued to transpire? What if that is one big? test from the Lord? What if God did something? What if? Just to see how you'd respond when you saw it happen. Matthew 12, verse 36. I want to read this to you. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word that they speak. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. Brothers, I don't know if you know this, but I actually think a lot of Christians don't believe what I just said when I look at how they speak. When what you say here today, when you would you say here, when you log off what I'm saying and you go on Facebook and you type a status and you proclaim to your friends group something, he says, by what you publish there, when you hit the post button, he says, by your words, you will be justified and by them you will be condemned when you stand before the almighty Lord of Lords, King of Kings, King Yeshua himself. And I the fear of God must grip me when I read this. And when I think about speaking about something that he may be involved in. See, this video I'm talking about is and, and what I'm talking about here tonight, is It's not actually about Ashbury. It's it's about something that it has exposed. See, I want to submit to you that it has exposed the works of a religious spirit that has been operating within Christianity. Behind below the surface, something that I knew was always there to an extent, but I never I didn't actually understand how deep it has been running under our noses. I want to submit to you that this I'm talking about a spiritual principality I'm not talking about a person. I'm not talking about an individual. I'm not talking about you, even if you're guilty of what of the things I'm talking about here tonight. I am talking about a spiritual principality that seeks to work in and through God's people. Did you know that you can be influenced by Satan, even if you're a believer? Do you know that you can speak of things and say of things of the kingdom of darkness when you don't guard your mouth and thoughts and when you're not led by the Spirit? Did you know that it is possible? Because it is. And this spirit seeks to teach a deep heresy that I want to speak about in this video, something that I that with this all, we have not even realized how deep this heresy have crept into our fellowships and into the body of Christ as a whole. And I'm not talking about one movement. I'm not I'm talking about many something that is stretching across many denominations of people who say they believe in Yeshua. You see, I think what we don't understand is that the enemy has a plan. His plan first is to try and get us veiled to the beautiful work of the cross. But if he cannot keep us an atheist or an unbeliever or a pagan and we become a believer, what the enemy will then try and do is he will try and put pride in our hearts. To deceive us, to turn against the very our very own people to turn against the very kingdom that we say we serve. does this does this sound familiar at all? Because this is exactly what happened to those first century certain Pharisees who came against the Messiah of the world when he walked right among them, and they were the ones who were supposed to be the ones to prepare the way for him. Instead, it was John the Baptist. who wasn't popular. And who didn't have the front row seat at the feast, those the religious men who persecuted Yeshua instead, who did have that front row seat at the feast, who were supposed to know their hearts were darkened with pride. Satan had done his work in them, even though they were completely oblivious and blinded to it, and they thought they were doing the right thing sincerely In many cases, even perhaps. But the Holy Spirit departs from such a vessel. He is looking for the humble and meek for the one who is after the gospel message. And you'll really understand what I'm getting to as we move along here. See, I want to submit to you the Holy this excuse me, this religious spirit, this the, the enemy, what he is trying to do, he is really after the youth always, first and foremostly. I remember when I was a youth and, and I'm still young, but <laughs> when I was much younger and God grip, God had, took a hold of my heart. I remember that I was so passionate, impacted by what I read in the Bible that I myself went into the streets of my city in South Africa, and I just started telling people about Jesus. I started laying my hands on the sick and believing for God to touch them. I started just going and believing what the word said. And I started making disciples. Really, it just naturally started happening in my life. And there were people who were part of churches. And and I don't say this to boast. I say this as simply what transpired to make an example to you. I I just preached the gospel and there were certain people who came out of they were part of churches. Right. But they came to me saying, PD, please baptize me because my pastor has resisted me to get baptized. Or they say, PD, please, can I come and join your Bible study? Because I want to hear about what the father is, is showing and, and, and doing. And I want to have a deeper learning of the word. And, you know, I was just making disciples as God drew them. And then what happened? is that there were there were multiple occasions pastors of churches who I don't know didn't know me who who just came and pointed the finger and said this young man who is he under what authority is he who does he think he is for him to start making disciples for him to start going onto the streets and telling people about about Jesus just like that who do does he think he is A religious spirit gripped their hearts, and they could not even see that the simplicity of the gospel, come on, man! the the simplicity of the gospel that draws a man's heart to simply go tell someone else about their Messiah, that simplicity, they even pointed the finger at because they have lost sight of the gospel message themselves. Instead, their eyes were set on something else. Their eyes were set on building a kingdom for themselves, building a church for themselves, building a ministry for themselves, building something else. And when that becomes it for us, when our eyes get set on our movement, our denomination, our ways of thinking, how it should be done according to what we think. See, sometimes the Holy Spirit moves upon people we don't like. Sometimes the Holy Spirit moves upon sinners. Sometimes he moves and he sends a man into a bar to proclaim the gospel. Sometimes he sends a man to to a tax collector to proclaim a gospel. Sometimes he sends a man to a prostitute or a drunkard or a drug addict to proclaim the gospel. I'm talking about Yeshua. That's what the Spirit did with him. But then we like to point the finger and say it doesn't happen on our terms. See, brothers, sisters, I want to remind you that the biggest enemies of Yeshua in his day were religious people, people who said they knew the Torah and loved God and who kept their Sabbath as as perfectly as you can get, I'm sure. But they were the ones who inadvertently, without understanding what they were doing, came against God. And that must be a sober warning to us all to tread carefully to not inadvertently come against God ourselves. This is why Gamaliel stood up and said, Acts 5 38, In the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and leave them alone. For if this is of man, it will fail. But if this is of God, you may even find yourself opposing him. Let them alone some of the wisest words ever spoken by Gamaliel. That's why it made it into the Bible. So I want to address some of the things that people have said. There's been many criticisms, many things that and and I'm not here to defend. Let me just say this. I'm not here to defend an institution. I'm not here to defend every single person who who pitched up at Asbury or any such event like it. That's not what this is about. However, I want to submit something to you people come and say, Well, look, PD, the enemy's doing this PD, the enemy's doing that look there, this and that is happening there, right? Bad things are happening there. People have said this and that now listen, the Holy Spirit is a light. The Holy Spirit is, if I may use an analogy, like a light. And when you have a light, I have a light right outside of my porch here. And when I turn that light on, all kinds of insects are attracted to it. I don't know if you've noticed that even especially here in Tennessee, with our humidity, there is a lot of insects and they're in, they're attracted to light and they just swirl around this light. But then you will always, without fail, have a spider. That makes a web. Right, very strategically, right by that light for some of those insects to fly into that spider web and to be captured by the spider, to be eaten alive by the spider. And so it is whenever the Holy Spirit does something, whenever the Holy Spirit moves, God, there's many people who are attracted to that. They're flying like insects to that light. What is it about this light? Like Moses said, what is it about this light? What is it about this bush that burns continuously? but doesn't burn out? Let me go look and see. But at the same time, that's the moment that the enemy comes, Satan, and he sets up a web, hoping to catch some that fall by the wayside this is why yeshua said seeds are gathered but some of them fall by the wayside and then the enemy comes to try and steal that seed we're in a war brothers and sisters i don't know if you notice and know this a war isn't pretty a war isn't going to fit into your religious let me have it squeaky clean thing it's not going to fit into your perfect church service where nothing can ever go wrong sometimes when there's a war there is casualties sometimes when there is a war there are demons involved to try and cause confusions sometimes there is a war and sometimes they need to be cast out but sometimes we don't like that because it ain't pretty right but God is saying, Look, if you want me to move among you, you need to be willing to get down and dirty and not just point the finger, bro- say everything, brush everything with the same brush because you saw a spider there. Oh, I saw a spider by the light. Therefore, the light is, is evil. This is what we do. But I want to remind you, what about Simon the sorcerer when the Holy Spirit was moving in Samaria and there was a great revival, bringing breaking out Philip went, cast out demons and things happened. Peter comes, lays his hands on the people and the Holy Spirit is poured out on them. And then there comes this man called Simon, the sorcerer, and he says, Well, how can I have a part in this? And his heart was evil, and Peter pointed that out. What about the sons of Skiva who tried to invoke the name of Jesus of Yeshua like some spell, some chant to cause our demons? While they had no relationship, when revival brought, when revival broke out in their city, and they tried to have a part of that, they were left running naked. What about Ananias and Sapphira when revival broke out in their community? They wanted to be a part of it, and they came with all their riches, hoping to get selfish gain by that. What about them? What about Acts chapter two? When revival broke out in Jerusalem on Shavuot, and in that place, there was Something the enemy was whispering into the minds of men, even in that place. Even in that place where the holiness of God was so elevated, still the enemy spoke to the minds of men when they spoke and said, These who are filled by the Spirit must be drunk. These who are speaking in tongues must be drunk. We judge by the fruit, and we do not judge if there is but one sinner that comes to repentance in Ashbury. I repent because, uh, I rejoice because all of heaven rejoices. And yes, for that matter, it, want, it makes me want to repent, too. But I want to submit to you that there are way more than one who is repenting. Is there other things happening? Is there a thing this and that? And and, uh, is there a spider web? Uh, You don't even have to tell me. I am sure there will be. But it means nothing as to the legitimacy of what is evidently happening in the youth of of, of our and our children. See, and I want to submit to you, though, that the thing is, you know, we've been saying talking about revival. Is this revival? Is it not revival? And and, you know, I'm kind of even distancing myself from this this debate because I don't think it's fruitful. I think it's the wrong question because it puts up a straw man. See, we the question is not what is revival? Because what has happened is denominations and movements has come to this and what has happened and they're pointing the finger and they're saying, Well, since it's not happening according to our denominational passion, it cannot be legitimate. They say that the, the reformed denominations, they say, Well, there there should be more expository preaching. The charismatics say, well, there should be more spiritual gifts Oh, these people. Have they never even experienced the Holy Spirit? This is old news to us. The Catholics say, well, revival can never break out in a in a in a Protestant circle. The Seventh Adventists, the Seventh Adventists or the Hebrew rooters they say, well, are they are they keeping the Sabbath? Well, are they preaching the the Sabbath commandment there? And we these things are spoken in order to hope to discredit this event, call it a revival, call it something else, I don't mind. But then because of that, it is used to discredit what may just be a great move of God. The question we should actually be asking is not, is this revival? It is, is what is occurring true repentance? Because true repentance can only come by a move of the spirit of God. And that is what I am most interested in. Now, people have said, and especially those who are passionate about God's law, and I am, may I say passionate about God's law, obedience, holiness, That is my heart. That is what I teach. You can go on my channel. I have 500 videos talking about things of that nature. That is my heart. But we speak and say things like, well, true repentance is when there is a true return to the law of God. And if that is not happening, it's not true repentance. And it sounds good. And and there's nothing wrong with that statement. But what we actually often mean when we actually say that is True repentance, well, is a return to the laws of God that I am talking about, that I am passionate about. In other words, the Sabbath days, the feast days, the diet or whatever law it is that you are passionate about. But I say to you that if there is a youth And there at whatever campus where there is many things happening on many campuses right now, whatever one of those campuses, there is a youth on his knees crying out to God, God, Lord, forgive me, a sinner. And he repents of his pornography addiction. And he repents of his lust in his heart. And he repents of his greed. He repents of something such as his gossips, or maybe he repents of the witchcraft he partook in or the drug addiction, the gluttony or even the pride. Will God not show mercy? And when that youth says, God, come into my life, change my life. How can we point a finger and say, Well, that's not true repentance? And then we say, God, I thank you. I'm not like those men who who do not keep the Sabbath the way that I do. And oh, God, I thank you. I'm not like other men who do not keep the feasts the way that I do. And oh God, I thank you. I'm not like other men who eat the way who don't eat the way I do. And oh God, I thank you. I'm not like other men who don't tithe twice a week and do this and that law. God, I thank you. I'm not as despicable as these sinners who we put our nose up to. Yeshua spoke about that story, and he said the Pharisee was not the one who went away forgiven or justified. It was the repentant tax collector, the repentant youth. Are you going to be a tax collector? or a Pharisee tonight. When you look upon what is happening in many places and will continue to increase, what will you do? There's only two camps here. Listen to me. There's two camps here. There is a religious man of a Pharisee and there is a tax collector. And you have a line in the sand before you and you better be careful as to what you choose and what you say on Facebook. See, my sisters, what we have done is we have traded one sin for another. And we have elevated one law above another that we are passionate about. And I am passionate about all the laws that the law that the Lord has given us. But what is true repentance in the book of. Acts chapter 15, God comes to us and gives us a wonderful example where they come and say there are these Pharisees who came and have said that the Gentiles who have just experienced a revival. Who have just come to faith and have been baptized, immersed in the Holy Spirit, these Pharisees are coming in and pointing the finger and saying, well, unless they keep all the law of Moses, this cannot be a true repentance if this is they cannot be saved if they are not keeping all the law of Moses. This was their accusation. Acts chapter 15, verse one. Go read it. But what is spoken of by the Jerusalem Council. Is let these men, these Gentiles, these people coming in. Let them repent of their personal prominent sins their sexual immoralities, their idol worship, their drinking of blood and let them come in and partake in the beauty of the Christ. And then they will do well. That's what they say. Then they will do well. Where's the Sabbath? Where's the unclean food? Where's the feast days? Where's the insert your your law that you love here? No. let them repent of their personal prominent sins and they will do well, but they will learn more later as they go. But their repentance is legitimate because we all start somewhere when i repented in the beginning and when you repented in the beginning when you came to god you weren't perfect you didn't have it all down you lacked knowledge you needed to learn a lot more a lot of laws still a whole lot of what god considers sin and then you grew brother sisters how prideful it would be for me to consider myself even someone now who has arrived to a place where I can point the finger because I still recognize see the law is something that 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 isn't like wow I, I look how well I No, when I look upon the law of God it still points out to me well Petey you need the Messiah you need a savior I don't look at the law and I'm like well I'm doing a pretty good job Let me go point the finger at someone who isn't. The law is there to convict us. It's there to show us our sin. Amen. And we can certainly use it in edification to teach the definition of sin to sinners. Amen to that. I'm not against that, but to use the law as the standard as to which needs to be fulfilled for someone to be saved. We're getting on very, very dangerous ground here. See, brothers and sisters, I want to submit to you that what I'm talking about, and I believe what the Holy Spirit has exposed. Listen to me carefully What I'm about to say the Holy Spirit has exposed a salvation by works gospel, extremely prevalent, much more prevalent than I could have ever imagined within the body of christ and it puts the it puts fear in me it puts the fear of the lord in me because see i was always i've always been curious as to how i know it was there i knew but i was always curious how prevalent oh lord is this belief that it is our works that save us because when you go and talk to anyone they will tell you most believers will say to you well no we're saved by faith Right. We're, 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 we don't teach that that keeping the Sabbath save us. We don't teach that this or that commandment saves us. And that it needs to be done according to our way. That's what saves someone. No, we will never admit that. However, whenever we put a requirement for a specific law to be taught and kept by someone before their their repentance is legitimate, we have immediately replaced The dependency on Yeshua as the Messiah who saves and faith in Him who saves, we have replaced that with a dependency on the keeping of a certain commandment and the teaching of a certain commandment. That is what qualifies someone as being truly repentant and truly saved. And then I realized when I realized this, this is why the gospel of faith is not even preached in many of our fellowships. Listen to me. There are so many fellowships and churches around the country and the world where they have no true passion. For the simple preaching of the simple gospel of the fact that Jesus died for your sins and repent of your sins, trust in him so you can be saved. And and we don't see people come to faith in our fellowships because that simple gospel is not preached. Instead, we have preached. Well, keep the law. Well, keep the law. Well, keep the law. And I'm not against obedience and teaching, instructing how to follow Yeshua. But that's not what saves you. The law of God is not what saves anyone. Let me say this again for those in the back. (laughs) The law of God is not what saves anyone. Preaching the law of God is not what's going to save anyone. If that was the case, Yeshua could have stayed home with his father and never came down, been born into this world because we already had the Torah. It was being read every Sabbath in the synagogue. Israel knew it, but yet Yeshua stood before them and said, I have living water and you need it. You are dry without me. You partook your fathers partook in the manna of the wilderness, and they died in the wilderness. But I am the true manna who has come from heaven. Whoever eats of me will never perish, but have eternal life. And I quote Yeshua himself. This upset the religious so much that it says after he spoke these words, many departed from him. Besides, for his disciples who said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You possess words of eternal life. You are the one, you, precious Yeshua, are the one who saves. And yes, his law is holy, righteous, and good, and beautiful, and it has been given by the Lord himself, written by the finger of God himself. But its purpose is to point out our sin, its purpose is not to save. And when we use it as the qualifier of what it means to be saved, we do what Paul warned against, and we really in that manner can so easily do away with the cross and what Yeshua did himself. And this is why, brothers and sisters, I want to submit to you, many cannot stand what is happening in Ashbury. And I'm going to lose some subscribers probably over this. And if you go, I love you. But many of us cannot stand what is happening in Ashbury. Because we cannot stand the preaching of this simple gospel I am talking about to you tonight. We cannot stand it that the road to eternal life is so simple that it is not dependent. Listen to me carefully, that that we are not saved by how well we keep the law And, and but but you know what? Let me just say this. I I am so grateful that that is that is the case because I am one of the greatest sinners of them all. I just see myself. I see the word of God. And when I look at the the word of God as a mirror and I look at my life, all I can see is the holiness of Yeshua, the holiness of my Messiah, who perfectly walked out the law because he's my perfect example. That is, he is the walking Torah. Like he walked it out perfectly. And so I look at his example and I look at my life and I'm God. I'm like, God, I, I am not worthy to even be saved. Because I am a sinner. So how can you look at his life and say, well, I keep the law pretty well and everyone needs to keep the law so well in order to be saved? We will all fail. But there is. A trust in him that is needed above all else, and then his Holy Spirit comes into your heart. And it says, as Ezekiel prophesied, that he will write the law in your heart and he will change you so much so that you get a hunger to be obedient and change and follow his life, his example, to walk like Yeshua walked, which includes obedience to his father's instructions. You need to be listening to me carefully tonight. Otherwise, you will misunderstand me, just as many have misunderstood Paul, the apostle himself. I want to submit to you, brothers, and sisters, that when we look at the father and his relationship with his people, that it was always him coming down like he did with Israel, bringing them out of Egypt, in other words, delivering them from a bondage. Then he brought takes them into the promised land, like on this journey. But it is only after delivering them, showing his wonder, showing his beauty, his majesty and and how much he loves them. That he actually gives them the law on Mount Sinai. And so for us to to go into Egypt with all of Israel still enslaved, and say, Well, why aren't you keeping the law? It makes no sense. It's not in the pattern of Yeshua's life or even the father, what he did with Israel. Yeshua ultimately came, brothers, and sisters, I want to submit to you. And he called us to this greater place of intimacy with the father first. And from there, we will be able to actually have a hunger and understanding for his law. And what I'm speaking about here tonight is is so heavy on my heart because it was the, the certain Pharisees who came against Yeshua and who didn't understand what he was doing, who were most at, in danger of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. See, when the Holy Spirit does something like cast out a demon, as in Yeshua's case, yet you point a finger at this work of the Holy Spirit and you call it the work of the devil, as some have done with what is happening in some of our youth. Now, I am in fear for their souls because Yeshua said sin. There's many sins I will forgive. I will even forgive you if you blaspheme the son, but I will not forgive you if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit. If you call the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of a demon, you will not be forgiven in this life or in the life in the time to come. See, they the the reason that the the certain Pharisees were guilty of that in that moment and that and the reason they fell into that sin that was so disastrous for their souls was because they even though they recognized and fully witnessed the beauty of what God was doing in someone by delivering them of a demon, those certain Pharisees hated where it came from yeshua's ministry so much that they turned the eye away from the fruit in order to just point the finger and so i want to submit to you be careful of turning your eye away from the clear fruit of what god does so that you can point a finger because you don't like where it's coming from. Some of us have deep resentments we need to deal with in our hearts. And some of it is because of traumas that we have gone through in the church, through leaderships that betrayed us and so on, and I understand and I am sorry if you have gone through something that may have caused hurt in your heart against a denomination, a movement, churches, Christianity itself, whatever. I am truly sorry if that occurred, if you were wronged. But don't let the hurts that were done against you. Cause hurt in you, cause the hurt to flourish into something the enemy can use against you. Because this is what he wants to do with us, to bring us against one another. He wants us in such resentment against the church, that we would point the finger at the church at all costs, even when God does something there. And we will then even turn our way our eye away from what is God is doing there and close our eye. From it. and sisters, furthermore, we need to be careful of just sharing rumors and making accusations flippantly. And, and what I just mean by this is, you know, people have pointed out, well, what about this person? What about that person involved here or there? What does it matter? Does the sin of one discredit everything? Truth is found in patience and patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. If you do not have the fruits of the spirit in you, if you if you have another spirit operating in you, you will not have patience and you will prematurely make a judgment without waiting for the evidence to arrive and sometimes evidence requires patience because sometimes evidence needs time and i want to submit to you that there are many who are without the evidence of two or three eye witness accounts that is someone who is an eye first-hand witness not a secondary or a third witness when we make judgments without two to three witnesses, we fall into that same error, because what happens is this religious spirit that was operating in the Pharisees of the first century, they hope to conclude a matter outside the biblical mandate of evidence of two to three witnesses. This is what they did with that Samaritan woman, for example, where they brought the Excuse me, not the Samaritan women. That is, this is what they did with the adulterous women. For example, when they brought her to Yeshua and they said, Well, what about this woman? And they did not bring the evidence of two to three witnesses amongst other errors in their accusation. They were more concerned with pointing of the finger at a sinner than the truth of a matter we take it as conclusive evidence when when the group that we don't like the church that we don't like the movement we don't like when something is happening in them we take that in of itself alone as conclusive evidence that it is ungodly we take it as conclusive evidence that because they if they are not the people we like if they are considered our enemies but if they do anything that in of itself we take as conclusive evidence that it cannot be god but god has worked through many people including people whom it is least expected of that Samaritan woman was a Samaritan she was the representing the enemies of the Israelites and Yeshua comes to her and uses her God comes to this Samaritan woman and uses her the group the enemy of Israel of the Samaritans God can use the group of people that you don't like and you better learn to deal with it. Lest you come and speak against whom God has raised and used. We must judge carefully with righteous judgment. See, brothers and sisters, I want to submit to you that this is all a big deal. Because youth. While I believe God is ferociously after their hearts, hungry. uh, Let me say uh, 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 chasing them down because he loves them. And he is the Lion of Judah, and he is going to fight for them. At the same time, many of them are falling away. That is evident as well. But let us not be the reason they do. Let it not be that they fall away because Those of us who were supposed to represent God and his kingdom were too busy pointing the finger at them instead of showing grace, mercy and love. If we want to talk about the law, let's talk about the greatest law above all else, the greatest commandment to love the Lord and love our neighbor, love our youth as ourselves to have compassion and mercy and grace that is what God wants from us. And when we don't show that, but instead what we show is the pointing of a finger that oftentimes need to be pointed right back at ourselves, then we then those youth will stumble because of us. And let me tell you what Yeshua said about that. He says that it would be better that if you had a weight put around your head for you to be thrown off a boat into the ocean, And for you to tumble to the depths of the deep, it would be better for you to go through that than for you to make one. Listen to me, one of these little ones stumble. We are talking about thousands of little ones who many of us are pointing the finger at in our generalizations. If only one of them stumble because of your pointing of the finger, Yeshua says you might as well jump overboard because it would be worse for you than to go through that. This is Yeshua's words. I am just bringing the scriptures to you today. This is not the words of Petey. This is what the Holy Spirit speaks. But you have a time, a moment right now, You have breath in your lungs at this time now for you to have true repentance. See, brothers, sisters, many of us have pointed the finger and said, Well, that's not true repentance. It's not the way that I want it to be. Well, the reality is, is really we have a plank in our own eye. And what what is needed is true repentance from us. God wants us he is calling us to true repentance. Us, the religious, the righteous, those of us who consider ourselves learned, those of us who consider ourselves the keepers of the commandments, those of us who've been doing this a long time. God calls us to repentance. He has not come for those who are healthy, but those who are. Sick. And you know what is really the trick in what he said there? If I might uh, just to let me say the, the thing that we need to understand to understand what he meant by that is. To understand that none of us are truly healthy, but that we are all in need of the physician, Yeshua. There's not one of us who can say, I am so healthy. I don't need him. We all need him. So you want to talk about religion and true religion. We've talked about what a religious spirit wants to do, and I've called that on today. I want to submit to you what is true religion? True religion is, let me, let me pull it up for us all so we can read it here together. As I end this off, James one verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. I want to submit to you, and sisters that when he speaks about visiting orphans and widows, surely, surely he is speaking about the literal orphans and widows in this world. But he is also speaking about the spiritual orphans and spiritual widows, those who have no one and are in need of a father who are in need of a husband. Brothers church, I want to submit to you that the Lord our God is our Lord, our Husband, we are the bride of Christ, and he is coming to gather children who are orphans. And we need to make sure that we are visiting them, not casting them off. We need to make sure that we bridle our tongue and that we don't cause any one of these little ones to stumble. So I want to thank every one of you here today who's in the chat with me. I want to I want you to just uh, Pray with me here as we're going to enter prayer here for a moment. Um, but I want to just say, uh, read a few of the chat here. Shauna says, say it, brother. It's time to fall on your face and fast and see what this spirit we truly carry and repent be, and be changed. Amen. Natalie Smith says, Amen. Diana Clark says. How truly sad to point a finger and miss the privilege of praying for the youth. What a privilege we have to do this. Um, Karen says, I mean, that is a word Yah has been speaking to me this week. We are all in need of healing. Amen. She rejoices on YouTube, says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of Yah. Yah is not a respecter of persons. Amen. We all need Yeshua. Dina Marie Swartz says. Father, let us not be the reason for someone to stumble or fall away. Bring us into repentance. I'm just reading some of these comments further here. Um, just catching up with you guys. Um, Hope Hamlin said the pastor said at church that Asbury is revealing that God is breaking down the high, proud places that exalt themselves against him. He's raising up this nameless and faceless generation that is humble and hungry for him. The religious spirit is all about pride. Amen. Hope, thank you for sharing that. You know, I just um the just uh probably two live streams ago, just before This happened at Asbury. I gave a word on the live stream here and you can go back just two live streams and you'll see it. I said the same, right? I said that God is there is going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and God is going to see how we respond to this, and if we are going to try and build something for ourselves and point the finger and have pride operate in us, that will cause ministries to be tear down. And but he will raise ministries of humility. That is what I believe he is going to continue to do. Mary Ann Pratt says, I've been saying the same thing. I'm excited what Holy Spirit is doing. Karen said, also, uh, Yeshua brought and demonstrated compassion to the broken world. So, brothers and sisters, I really want us to just pray here for a moment for our youth. I, I actually, let me just. Um, I actually, I'm just seeing a comment here that I want to respond to before I before we move into that time of prayer. I think it's a it's a comment that may warrant a response. John Junior on Facebook says, How can a revival start from a message that never mentioned repentance, sin, the Messiah, the blood or what it's all about? How can the worship team that's keeping this revival going? How can a man that spoke the words to start a revival talk about his trip to his favorite restaurant and so on and so on? Now, let me just let me just um, address this. okay. first off, sometimes things happen in ways we don't expect. Sometimes a a revival can can absolutely break out without there being a preaching of a message of repentance. But that doesn't mean anything regards to what's happening, because the message of repentance has been preached at Ashbury. So just because that wasn't what sparked people to stay for a week, please understand that that has absolutely been preached. The gospel has been preached. Trusting in Yeshua has been preached there. That's why people have been on their faces, repenting of their sins. You can go and look at the pictures yourself. I'm sorry, but a lot of the. The people pointing these fingers have not been there and they do not understand what is actually happening now you know are there things happening there that i i don't fully endorse absolutely is there things happening there that that or are there things that i wish could happen more there absolutely and i've discussed this before is there is it perfect no no but Can the spirit of God move in the midst of something like that? Yes. And he is. OK, John goes on and he says, you know, I, I just I want to address this because I know there's a few people thinking about this. You never spoke of the Kundalini spirit. We are to mark those who teach falsely so instead of you whining on here go there and speak right he's he's talking about me so yes i didn't touch about the kundalini spirit i did touch about those who go and try and do whatever they want to try and take advantage of what god is doing i talked about the analogy of the spider earlier the kundalini spirit a false holy spirit i have multiple videos on that and we have taught on that profusely now look can is there is there demons operating in, in people all the time yes and they need to be cast out absolutely so go there and cast them out right like th- that is what we ought to do we aren't to stand here and say well there's this and that evil spirit operating in people we ought to go and be a part of the solution not just point out that there is a problem if there is a revival if there is an upbringing of the spirit if there is like we just had uh, a meeting where we preached repentance and everything, and there was amazing things that happened, and demons manifested, and there may even have been—I'm uh, pretty sure there were even kundalini spirits that manifested in people, and we casted them out. So just because a Kundalini spirit manifests in a place doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit isn't working, because oftentimes the spirit is actually manifesting because the Holy Spirit is causing that. The Holy Spirit is actually the one who convicts demons to come to the surface. And so brothers, sisters, I'm sorry. You know, I, I just feel like, man, hey, I'm a little fired up about this because We need to be more discerning and careful about how we speak. Now, let me let me go and just let's pray about this. Uh, Father, I just pray, Lord, for everyone, Lord, who is just involved, Lord, in this event. Father, I just pray, Lord, for. The youth, Lord, I pray, Lord, for the youth at all universities and campuses alike, Father, Lord, I pray, Lord, for. You to move for you to move upon their hearts, Lord, and bring repentance from pornography and sexual sin, and you would come and move upon their hearts, Lord, and bring freedom from demons, Lord, and freedom from Kundalini spirits and freedom from from uh, uh, gossips. Lord, and I pray, Lord, above all else, oh God, for us to have freedom from our pride. God, I pray, Lord, that you would have uh, help, uh, help us have mercy on those, Lord, who aren't where we are at, Lord, Lord. We were in places, Father, of of growth where we needed growth. We were and we are still in need of growth. But, Father, we were in places where we had many. We were loaded down with many sins and we have many things to know and learn about. Father, help us. To have mercy. Father, I pray you would do a great work in us, Lord. I pray, Lord, for everyone who is listening to this, that you would come and have mercy and favor upon us as we draw near to you. And Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to pour out. Upon all people, old men, young men, everyone alike. I Pray all this in the name of Yeshua. Many, many blessings to you all. Please share this video. I believe that it's important for us. I believe it's important for us to understand the seriousness of this matter. And I want to say a special thank you to every one of you in the chat who's been with us here today. Many, many blessings to you. Shalom.